right, Eagles fans. We're coming off a tough kind of disgruntling loss, but it's okay because most of us had that 49ers game chalked up as a loss in the preseason. We're on to bigger and broader horizons. It's Monday Night Football. It's Cowboys Week. And, of course, I'm joined by my good friend Mark Lane, who covers the Cowboys, uh, to help us break down this incredibly early Eagles-Cowboys week. Mark, welcome back to Eagles Enemies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Hey, Kyle. Good to be on with you. So this Cowboys team, Mark, they have, uh, they've had some ups and they've had some downs. Obviously, losing to Tampa Bay in week one. They come out and beat the Chargers in week two. What has been the overall vibe on this Cowboys team two weeks into the season and how they've performed so far? Basically that Dak Prescott can get it done and that they're just working their way through injuries and COVID and that Dan Quinn has multiple ways to get the defense to basically be effective. Um, They come into week six leading the NFL. I mean, week three leading the NFL in turnovers with six. And this is last year when like they didn't get a takeaway until week eight, it felt like. Um, And they've, it, it, the feeling is that, this is a really good team and they're going to make hay by going through their schedule of beating up on a lot of bad teams, um, which Philadelphia is just when you look at who were playoff qualifiers from the year before. And so that Dallas can really make some hay and pad their win column until week 11 when they face Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So even though it is, like I said, the Eagles and um, it's a really big rivalry game, a lot of emotions go into it, Uh, a lot of familiarity goes into it. Um, The feeling is that Dallas, if they can win this game and then they get Carolina and New York and like I said, you don't face another playoff team until week 11. Uh, they can really pad their win column. And a lot of people now, after two weeks, you know, mm-hmm. with, with Washington losing uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and they're going to be starting Taylor Heineke again, and the Giants, one of the best uh, comparisons I've heard from my good friend Vince Quinn, host of uh, Bell and the Birdman podcast, he said the Giants are a team where – it's like that episode of Family Guy where you have the sports car and then Stewie opens the hood of the car and the engine is just drawn on a piece of paper because Daniel Jones absolutely stinks and isn't taking that Giants team anywhere. So it seems like we're due, on paper at least, for an Eagles-Cowboys battle for the NFC East title this year. Uh, and I think a lot of people are, are noticing how well Dak has played coming off the injury. But on the flip side, they're noticing... Kind of not your your typical Ezekiel Elliott start to the season. How's the vibe on Zeke, you know, two weeks in where hasn't had a 100-yard rushing game yet? And uh, I know you and I talked last year where Zeke, it was one of those things where we'll see if, if the money ends up, uh, you know, working out for the Cowboys in the end. But so far, it seems like Zeke's been off to kind of a slow start to 2021. Yeah, he has, and who's been off to a fast start. 
has been Tony Pollard, his backup. So I think that what's happening in Dallas among the fan base is you've got people that look at the stats and understandably so, um, and only show up on Sundays and understandably so. And so they see Pollard and they think, well, why doesn't he get the ball? I mean, that's clearly the better back than Ezekiel Elliott. Um, and he is, he's in terms of the stats and everything, he's having a slow start to the year, but what Zeke brings in the locker room and you saw a little bit of it on hard knocks. I don't know if Eagles fans watch hard knocks. I would figure that it would be too nauseous of an experience for them. Um, they would need Finnegan or some other type of anti-emitic <laughs> just to watch that much Cowboys content unfettered. Um, but if they did, you'd see that Elliot, I mean, he, he's really kind of like the glue that holds the team together. I mean, he jokes around, he's, um, I don't know. He's the personality and going back to 2017, when he was suspended for six games, that's what happened to them was they didn't have Z for in the locker room, like around in the building at all. And they just got creamed for three games until they started to find their own identity again. Um, but anyway, he's good at pass blocking. Uh, like I said, he's really good for morale. He gets the guys going. And he's got a – he understands that he's got a good relationship going with Tony Pollard and that – if Pollard wins, he wins. And I think that the Cowboys are one of those teams this year that there were a number of teams out there. So this isn't exclusive to the Cowboys, but they were one of the teams that when they were off season workouts and everything, they didn't say, well, we want it all virtual and we're um, not going to show up and all that. They showed up for their off-season workouts. And Ezekiel Elliott was one of the guys that was back in the building a couple weeks later after the loss to the Giants on January 3rd. And they've he's, he's committed to winning. So I think that his stats, he's probably going to disappoint a lot of fantasy owners this year. But in terms of keeping the cohesion together, the chemistry, that's what he's providing for Dallas. And like I said, it's all behind-the-scenes type stuff. But if he fumbles one time, then, you know, Katie bar the door. <laughs> and, you know, the the guys in front of, of Dak and Zeke, it, it's not your, your Cowboys offensive line of years past where people are talking about them being, you know, the best offensive line in football. There's a lot of new pieces on this O-line. But obviously, you have you still have the Tyron Smith, the Zach Martin, and Connor Williams. Another year in this, uh, you know, system with this offensive line. But how have you felt this offensive line has performed so far? Kind of meshing and blending with some new pieces along there that not a lot of people really know the names of, like they have in years past. Well, they have had through two games. Um, oh, I said through two games. Then I remembered Zach Martin. He was actually his first game was week two. But that's kind of the point is 
Who's been there? Tyron Smith and Connor Williams at left guard. So you have elements from the glory days that are still there playing in a consistent capacity, and that helps with the cohesion. Um, also, Terrence Steele, who really is an undrafted free agent from Texas Tech, got on-the-job training last year uh, at right tackle. He responded with uh, an even better performance, an even better outing um, in week two, filling in for Lyle Collins. So you can tell that he's taken advantage of uh, the off-season program and the reps that he got last year, which were invaluable, and taking the next step. And, you know, he's an adequate swing tackle. Um, so last year, Tyron Smith was gone after week three. Um, and then Connor Williams, I, I think he did play 16 full games last year. But Zach Martin... He ended up on injured reserve. He was injured. Uh, they even put him out at right tackle. Um, and then your center situation, they were working through some uh, ambiguity that hit them when Travis Frederick retired. So you had all of those moving parts. Now, in some measure, there is cohesion. Even when the guy, well, the guys that they plug in there like – Connor McGovern at right guard in week one. These are guys who have been in the system, who have been around, who have been in the line room. And so it's a lot different than just plugging random people in like they were last year. So, you know, it's not the great wall of Dallas in terms of a bunch of all pros, but it is a much more effective, cohesive unit than it was in 2020. And then the, the guys who are doing the uh, the after-the-catch work for Dak and the guys he's throwing the ball to, obviously Michael Gallup is out right now, but you still have Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb who are going to make plays. They're going to be all over the field, and both of those guys seem to show up whenever they play the Eagles, so that's going to be an interesting matchup in this game uh, to keep an eye on. But the guys behind C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper – I couldn't even tell you if I've ever heard their names before. Cedric Wilson, Noah Brown, and Simi Fahoko. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about these guys and how they've been able to step up in the absence of Michael Gallup, and do you expect any of them to have any type of impact in this game, or do you feel like it's going to be, you know, let's get the ball to Amari, let's get the ball to CD, and let's get it out to these tight ends and Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin? Uh, Cedric Wilson, he can show up. Uh, he did last year. He had a good game against the Seattle Seahawks, incidentally, um, which was, like I said, which was just absolutely interesting because he just comes out of nowhere and has five catches for 107 yards and two touchdowns. And that's really kind of been <clears throat> the way it's worked for him. And really, Dak Prescott is if if they plug someone in there. I saw this in 2019, actually. Um, this was Kellen Moore's first year as offensive coordinator, uh, and they played Devin Smith, who was 
if you have a New York Jets cousin, uh, would tell you was their second round pick, I think, in 2017. Mm-hmm. And he just got his career derailed by injuries and all this kind of stuff. And with the Cowboys in week two against Washington, he had a hundred, he caught, um, he had a hundred yard receiving game. I mean, he looked like that he was going to have a uh, resurgence. He was finally going to capture what was, what his career never was. And, but really that was emblematic of what was happening to the Cowboys offense under Kellen Moore and the maturation of Dak Prescott, because if you have a receiver that gets open, Dak Prescott will find them. And that's the thing with Cedric Wilson is he won his one-on-one matchups. Um, if he gets in the right position, Dak will find him. Again, five catches, 107 yards, and two touchdowns against Seattle last year in week three. So if <clears throat> if Philadelphia takes away C.D., Schultz, Cooper, and they don't let Pollard do anything. If there's any opportunity for Wilson, then it could be his game to shine. I'm saying if Philadelphia decides to go with that particular um, with that particular strategy, Troy Aikman actually said something interesting. I didn't get around to transcribing it and making an article out of it, but I mean, it is such a gem, Kyle. I mean it. I mean, it's gold. He said on uh, 1310 The Ticket here in Dallas during his weekly interview that he does on The Musers, that's the name of the show, uh, Tuesdays at 7.55 a.m. Central, he said that if he were to draw up a plan to beat the Dallas Cowboys, he would – let them run the ball and everything during the first, you know, second, third quarter of the game and try to keep it close and then try to win the game close in the end in the fourth quarter. Because his thinking was if Dallas is just running the ball, they're melting clock. And they're not really generating as many points as they would if they were, um, you know, going through the going in the air and just opening it up with that. So by opening it up with with Elliott and Pollard, then it's a low scoring game. You can keep it close and you can beat Dallas that way. So I thought that was an interesting um, an interesting bit of analysis that that Aikman had on this current team. And it seems to hold up with how Dallas has lost, even going back to the Tony Romo era was if they ever, if they had a good run game going and DeMarco Murray's doing well, if it was ever close, there might be a chance they lose it or that uh, Dallas would have to win on a comeback. Yeah, because if you think back, there were a ton of opportunities back during the Romo era where it was like, how many you know fourth quarter comeback opportunities were was Tony Romo going to have in a season at one point? Because there were moments where they were playing from behind because they just tried to run the ball as much as they could. Yeah. So again, we'll we'll have to see what Philadelphia comes up with, but um, that may be a, a more effective strategy rather than letting 
Cedric Wilson win the game for Dallas. How you never want to see anybody injured, especially in these types of games where it's Eagles Cowboys. You want everybody to be, you know, rolling at at or as close to 100 percent as possible. But for this offensive line, and you know, especially you know these tackles not having to face Brandon Graham, who is you know just a notorious big game guy. He's going to go out there and perform at 110 percent. You know, how much of a a relief is that for this Cowboys offensive line knowing they're not going to have to go up against Brandon Graham? Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in the exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, yeah, it's a relief, um, but in some ways it could be, <clears throat> it could be like a, uh, Wally Pip situation. This could be a time for whoever Graham's backup is to, to shine, uh, because they'll be going against, uh, Terrence Steele, um, an undrafted, you know what I mean? Someone of comparable talent. Uh, so with Graham, you know what you have. With his backup is, there's an element of surprise to that. And by the way, Brandon Graham, uh, to see him tear his Achilles, uh, that's really unfortunate because if there's been anybody who's been an absolutely dependable player, a team guy, someone that does things the right way on and off the field. It's Brandon Graham. Uh, I don't, you know, COVID and the lockdowns, it's thrown everything for a loop, but I know that he had a camp in his hometown of Detroit, a football camp every off season, every summer, uh, just to give back to the place where he grew up. And he even would help some of his former teammates too. I actually met Brandon Graham, in Star City, Arkansas, down in the southeast part of the state, because he accompanied, along with Vinnie Curry, uh, he, no, that was Vinny Logan, actually, but he accompanied them with Cedric um, Thornton to help run drills at Cedric Thornton's football camp in his hometown of Star City, Arkansas. So, again... It's unfortunate to see that befall Graham, uh, a hero from Super Bowl 52, but it's an opportunity for his backup, like I said, to bring an element of surprise of unwatched film, you know, unrecorded film, if you will, to the situation and make an impact in a rivalry game. And it looks like it's going to be a rotation, too, for guys filling in for Brandon Graham, and it's going to be 
a combo of Josh Sweat, who I have a, a ton of high hopes for. The Eagles just signed him to a, a three-year contract uh, extension recently. And a familiar face to the Cowboys who's coming over from the Washington football team, and that's Ryan Kerrigan. Yeah, Kerrigan, he, he terrorized a lot of quarterbacks in the NFC East. So we'll see if he can do it again. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch him in kind of a, a rotational role and, and not having to worry about our own quarterback because yeah. over the past decade we've had to worry about whoever was under center for the Eagles being terrorized by Ryan Kerrigan. Um, and now he's on he's on our side, which is a, a fun little bit for Eagles fans. On the, the thing with Graham is, and I know, again, it's a name, but where the pressure has been getting to Dak, and where I think the Eagles need to attack is in the interior because Dallas's center, Travis Biotic, he is a second, he's in his second season and he's still adjusting to the role. And so if Dallas, if, if the Eagles can find a way to isolate him or put him in vulnerable positions, and generate an interior pass rush, I think that would make up for the loss of Brandon Graham. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be intrigued to see what Jonathan Gannon does uh, with this rotation on Monday night because his defense, he hasn't really been too open with like giving us too much about how he approaches uh, his defensive game plan, so I'm going to be intrigued to see how he approaches a big game like this on primetime. On the Cowboys' side of things on defense – Dan Quinn, uh, how have things been with uh, him running this defense so far? It's almost like there's another head coach. Um, Really, that's that's what it's like with Dan Quinn running the defense. Because you, you see that he took it hard with what happened, and it, it like he took what happened in Atlanta getting fired five games in going 0 and five as a wake up call. And he really went back to the drawing board on his whole defensive philosophy. So even though he comes from uh, the Legion of Boom and Pete Carroll's system and that cousin of the Tampa two scheme, you see him really evaluating how that works in today's NFL. And so he's actually brought a multiple front, multiple schemes to the defense. So, uh, you know, in a Tampa, like it was with Rod Marinelli a couple of years ago, you know, you got your three technique and your one technique and this guy's over one techniques, 320 and you're, um, three technique is about 300 pounds and you got your 260 pound defensive ends and so forth. Like it's not that way said you've got a 360 pound defensive tackle, Quentin Bohanna, the rookie. And they got him playing, I think three techniques sometimes. And then you got Brent urban who, again, he's up, he's a 300 pounder. They got him playing defensive end, which is kind of like, Red Bryant um, with the Legion of Boom. And you, then you've got Micah Parsons, who's a linebacker, but then they move him down to edge, and then he's rushing off the edge 
uh, generating a pass rush. So, and really they run more of a, in terms of base, they run more of a four, two, five, you know, obviously a nickel more than they do a four, three. So that's the deal with this defense under Quinn is he's recognized the trends in the NFL and he's ad- and he's trying to adapt to them and not just impose his philosophy upon the game, which is usually what happens when coaches go from one place to another. He took that sabbatical, if you will, um, as really as a time to reflect. And he asked people to give him the truth on what worked and what was bad. And he really wanted to know what was bad. And uh, he went to, he went to improve it so far through two games. It's done well. I think they're 25th or whatever in terms of total defense because of um, the yards. And look, Kyle, I I don't care what team we're talking about here. I I think that going by yards of the defense is – it just doesn't seem like an adequate way to rank them. What what do you want your defense to do? Do you want them to stop the other team from scoring? Do you want them to generate – more free possessions for your offense or do you want them to just be able to stop people with the yards or whatever and dallas they've done a good job in generating takeaways again six they lead the nfl through uh the first two weeks in a thursday night game so the defense has done well uh at generating those free opportunities for their for their big play offense We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. How do you view this Cowboys defense matching up with an Eagles offense that through two weeks has tried to predicate itself on, you know, the speed of their skill position players, the the mobility of the quarterback, having running backs that are agile and, and kind of versatile? How do you view this defense matching up with the speed element that the Eagles offense is presenting? I think they can match up um, because you've got Michael Parsons, who's who's pretty fast. Um, you've also got Trevon Diggs, who's a, um, you know, who's a ball hawk, uh, J Ron Kersey's trying to make a name for himself at safety. You still have, uh, Leighton Vander as she's healthy and he's playing in the last year of his contract. Randy Gregory, I think is someone who's has a lot of speed. still. I think they can match up well. Um, it's not like, let's say, in 2019, when Dallas 
you know, had Jalen Smith as really their weak side linebacker to go. Um, you know what I mean? So I, I think that da- Dallas's emphasis in the offseason has been generating a lot of speed with, on defense. And that's why I think that they can match up. Uh, and it will really come down to a matter of execution. I think that the Eagles could uh, find ways to scheme their guys open and take advantage of it that way. But in terms of, you know, beating the Cowboys off the edge or whatever, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're matched up pretty well. You know, it's back-to-back weeks for this Cowboys defense playing against, you know, quarterbacks who can move around, they're they're mobile, and they can get the ball down the field as Jalen Hurts showed to everybody uh, last week against the 49ers, even though Quez Watkins couldn't get in the end zone on a 91-yard pass play. Um, Is that something you think that this Cowboys defense can key in on now that they've seen a guy like Justin Herbert who's able to, you know, roll outside of the pocket, pass on the run, and, uh, you know, just take what they saw last week and kind of tweak it a bit to what Jalen Hurts does and, and use that to this defense's advantage to kind of key in on a mobile quarterback? Yeah, but it's also taking a look at the tape that Jalen Hurts provided in week 16 last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had his own, you know, he had his own bout against the Cowboys defense. And albeit it was a, t- a much different defense uh, that was featured on December 27, 2020. But nevertheless, Hurts showed you early how he could make the defense pay uh, against this particular, against some of the particular personnel uh, that the Cowboys are still featuring. So I think that Hertz has shown enough on his own against Dallas for them to go back and take a reference, but also, but you know, with the way that he's moved in this new offense, uh, that is also something that Dallas is going to have to consider you know, and I think that Hurts, I think that's the one thing that he does provide that, I don't know, Carson Wentz just never did, is it seems like Hurts is more discerning with his mobility than Wentz. Wentz just seemed like he would just, in our, you know, he would rush. I mean, he would carry the ball for no reason. Uh, he would scramble around in the pocket trying to buy time and then end up getting sacked for no reason instead of throwing it away. It's like Hertz comprehends when, like, there's no hesitation when he rushes, is what I'm trying to say. And I think that that has made the Eagles' the offense. Uh, a bit of a surprise through two games. And they could really make a statement on Monday Night Football against this Cowboys defense. Again, the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GetInTheWholePod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Again, I mean, the way that myself and uh, a lot of Eagles fans that I know have felt is, you know, last year when Carson Wentz was playing and even in parts of 2019, coming off the, the various injuries that he's had and just like the mental roadblock that he had last year, you were holding your breath on every single snap that the Eagles offense took. And, you know, week one of this season, Jalen Hurst takes a snap and it was like a breath of fresh air. And it was almost like, I, we don't have to worry about you know silly mistakes or holding on to the ball too long or turnovers happening because it, it seems like Jalen Hurts just has that that confidence and that poise within himself to just know what it takes to either get the ball away, use his legs to make a play, and he's not going to let you know the mental aspect of things tear him down to the point that I think it, it happened for Carson Wentz. Yeah. And, and I think it shows. And I think part of that, too, is is Jalen Hurts' college experience. You know, everything that happened at Alabama, and then he transfers, and he does what he did at Oklahoma, and he's he's used to kind of those, you know, adversity moments early on in his career, and he's, he's translated well to the NFL so far, and I've enjoyed watching what he's been able to do as the quarterback of the Eagles. Um, one thing with this Cowboys team – wasn't so much the case against the Chargers, but against the Buccaneers. Uh, Greg Zerline has not been Mr. Automatic like he was with the Rams. Is that something that, you know, Cowboys fans and, and this team in general are monitoring this year is, is just seeing how he performs and, you know, where his uh, his accuracy is at, you know, through, uh, through two games so far? What happened with Zerline was he was dealing with – I think a back injury throughout the off season. And then he didn't kick hardly any during training camp, not at all during preseason. So his first action of the year is when it counts against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week one. Um, and I, and so he's working himself back into being, reliable whether or not that costs Dallas remains to be seen but with their kicking situation um they're just gonna have to hope that Zerline gets back to normal and it really does take about a few weeks for these guys who have not kicked all preseason and everything to work themselves back in so that's why Honestly, going back to the Tampa Bay game, to me, the, the stat that jumped out wasn't even so much Zerline missing the kicks. It was going one in four in the red zone. That'll beat you worse than anything. And with Dallas against the Chargers, they were two, in, two of three in the red zone. And that's what you have to do in order to win ball games. You have to convert on those red zone trips. So I think that's a bigger issue than Greg's airline's kicking problem. Or let me put it this way. If Dallas continues to convert at a high clip in the red zone, Greg's airline's kicking issues will work themselves out. You know what I mean? Totally. The one of four. That that's just like you said. You you can't you can't do that and expect to win a game.
top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it we always went, goes. Like, like, we like, minutes and we were at like Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. year they were tied with the Cincinnati Bengals for the third lowest in the NFL at 50%. And then you have 25%. I mean that yeah, against Tom Brady and them it's they're they're lucky they lost on a game losing field goal. Mm -hmm. At that point. 100%. And uh you know you can look at, at this game and, and analyze, you know, player matchups between the Eagles and Cowboys. But I think for me, and I'll, I'll ask you the same question, for me, the, the matchup in this game is is Dan Quinn going up against Nick Sirianni. Sirianni's first year as a head coach, seeing how he adjusts coming off of a loss. And then, like you said, Dan Quinn being able to take things a little personally and, and reevaluate his coaching style on the defensive side of things. I'm intrigued to see the chess match between Sirianni and Dan Quinn. Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, it with Quinn, it's not the same old stuff. Um, it he's really trying to be a new version of of himself and adapt to uh, the NFL the way it is today. Uh, but <clears throat> it will come. I think it will come down to the execution. Um, uh, I think that's going to tell the tale of the game because, again, if Dallas, if they're not capitalizing on their red zone trips, then I think you leave the Eagles in the game. But if Dallas is putting together consistent drives and ending in six, then I, I think that that gives them an edge in the game. Um, you know, so – it, it, it'll it be interesting, and there's a reason why Dallas and Philadelphia has been in prime time every year going back to 2004, making it the longest-running divisional rivalry in the NFL in prime time. Yep, it's a moneymaker, like we've said over the past couple years now, Mark. Whenever, whenever these two teams play, the, the TV ratings go through the roof, people tune in no matter how good or how bad both of these teams are. And that was proved last year in Week 16. Yes. Yes. 
and maybe they should have flexed that game into prime time, you know? <laughs> uh, Mark, you've been on the show before, and I've been doing this with all of our guests this year, kind of a quirky, fun question with the teams that they cover. And since you covered two teams, I figured this one was fitting. If you could take one player from the Texans and put them on this Cowboys team right now, who would it be? And then vice versa, if you could take a player from the Cowboys and put them on the Texans, who would it be? Justin Reed from uh, the Texans, and I'd put him on the Cowboys because he's a great locker room leader, and he was doing fabulously until he injured his knee, and then they come on the short week. So he missed week three, but uh, he had an interception in the first two games to start the season. And then uh, what was what Cowboy on the Texans, you said? Yeah. Dak Prescott. That's a no-brainer for me. I yeah. was going to say Dak as well. Yeah, and if not, and then if you put a protection on him so that he can't or whatever, uh, then I, you know, I might say Micah Parsons then because you just need some, you need, they need a playmaker. They don't really have any playmakers on the Texans on either side of the ball. Um, and that's what they lost with Watson and with Watt is there's no real, there's nobody on either side of the ball that can take over the game. And they're, they've got really, they've got good, like I said, role players. They've got, they've got good players that, um, you know, may have a career game here or there but they just don't have anyone that can take over that particular side of the ball. And uh, that's what, that that's why they're in the soup. Yeah. It's, it's tough pickings for the Texans right now. Um, but I mean, well, hey. they're hoping that the pickings get better by uh, April next year. right? <laughs> that's very true. That is very true. Mark. Uh, you're the absolute best. Let everybody know where they can follow you and check out all your work uh, covering the Cowboys, the Texans, and everything in between. Because if you guys aren't already, Mark's one of my favorite follows on Twitter. So make sure you're following Mark on Twitter. All right, at the real Mark Lane on Twitter, and uh, you can follow my Cowboys work at wfaa.com/slash/cowboys. And then, um, I mean. If you want to see how the Texans are doing, uh, texanswire.usatoday.com. Mark, you're the best, and uh, Monday night is certainly going to be uh, a very good litmus test, I think, for the Eagles and a very good test uh, for this Cowboys team to just prove that they are uh, a full-blown, legit contender. Yeah, Kyle, and here's what's fun about it, is whatever happens in on Monday night, when these teams meet in the season finale, they're going to be completely different versions of themselves, which then makes that rematch all the more compelling. So yeah, it's it'll be a great series as always, unlike with the one Dallas has with Washington this year, where, oh, we play and then two weeks later we play again. We'll just have a best of seven series. <laughs> we'll just have the Cowboys in Washington play in the World Series instead of uh, yeah, right. an, an yeah. NFL schedule. Uh, right. You're the best, Mark, and I'm sure we'll talk uh, during the game and then we'll talk uh, around the season finale as well for Eagles-Cowboys, but you're the best and appreciate you coming on the show this week. 
All right, Kyle, thanks for leaving the last string out for me. Thank you guys for listening and checking out Eagles Enemies. The support for this show is the reason it sticks around year after year. Make sure you guys are following us on social media at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Make sure you check out our website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast, be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe 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 and leave a five-star rating and review to let us know how you're feeling about each and every eagles matchup throughout the season we hope you guys enjoy season four of eagles enemies presented by underground sports philadelphia and we'll catch you on the gridiron next week go birds (laughs) 